0: Hey guys, before the episode start, just want to say thank you for subscribing, for checking out the show. Hopefully, you're leaving us a five-star review and a comment because that helps us on the charts. And let me tell you something, people. The charts are banging, okay? I don't make this stuff up. Ladies and gentlemen, in the United States, we are 113. That's right, 165 in Canada, Australia. Let's not talk about them. Uh, 103 in Sweden. Ola. That's not how you say it. Let's go down to Ireland. We're number 31. Moving up 170 spots on the charts. That's amazing. All right, 144, New Zealand. 166, out in Israel. What the fuck? What are you? speak. <laughs> Sorry, I had to talk to my people. Finland, go fuck yourself. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't see the next one. 65 in Finland, I apologize. I'll go fuck myself. And who can forget Frankie McDonald's number one place, Bulgaria. We are number 37. Thank you to everybody for listening, and keep reaching for your cuts. You're listening to The Sully Show, the best podcast ever
1: in america the
0: shuly show i'm frankie you you're listening to the show welcome everybody
1: the shuly show bulgaria hello how's it going
0: ladies and gentlemen welcome to a special edition of the shuly show we don't normally have our guests over the phone But uh, this is a special occasion for a special guest. This guy is uh, one of the uh, Mount Rushmore's for me of getting into comedy. I remember hearing him at an early age uh, cracking a studio filled with people up, uh, doing amazing voices, and it it, it didn't just stop there. Uh, My love of impressions, uh, you know, this guy is a, a big mentor, and when I started this podcast, I had a list of, of the ultimate guests that I wanted, and this guy was at the top of the list, and, uh, you know, this just goes goes into what I always preach, man. Belief is everything. Hope is for suckers. You gotta believe. And uh, here he is on the Shuley Show, hopefully not the last time, the one, the only, Mr. Billy West. Mr. West, how are right. you, sir?
1: <laughs> You're gonna be sorry. That was the voice in my head. Uh. You're gonna be sorry <laughs> That was the voice in my head. Never mind that voice. Yeah. No, pay attention to me. He's... I know what I'm talking about.
0: He doesn't know me like I know Shut me. Up. <laughs> Shut the fuck up uh. No,
1: that's don't even don't even pay it just pops out.
0: Listen, it's here. You're not going to be judged. You're around friends here. So if the voice needs to good, pop good. out, the voice can pop out. You can say whatever you want, <laughs> whatever you feel. Uh, it's a great honor for me to speak to you, man. I've, I've been a fan oh, for so you. many years, and uh, thank you very much. Yeah, I, I, I mean, the body of work that you have. I mean, I could just, I could just say he's got Space Jam money and shut this whole shit down, and we're done. That's all. I mean, really, <laughs> that alone. Uh, but I mean voices for you born in detroit correct
1: yes i was
0: uh i mean you had to have been gravitated towards the cartoons first i imagine
1: well when i was a little kid uh we used to get a channel from uh canada windsor canada called cklw and they were the ones that were showing warner brothers cartoons and um You got to remember back in those days, like the late 50s, there was there were no clear prints of anything you could watch like today. Right. You can see pristine images of anything you want from any year. But but back then um, you were basically watching a film of a film of another film of a cartoon. And you were basically what you were looking at was protons you know (laughs) right
0: (laughs) yeah not to mention your antennas had to be positioned in the right spot just to even see the
1: that exactly right exactly and um so i would you know i'd be able to hear it but that's all i i needed really i mean the visual stuff my world was a sonic one and i listened to the radio um you know just like from day one i would have my ear glued to the radio, and um, it was always about sound as far as I'm concerned, and so I did listen to those Warner Brothers cartoons, and I heard Mel Blanc, and, you know, and then some of the other people who worked with them, like uh, Arthur Q. Bryan and uh, uh, June Ferre. yeah
0: yeah Yeah, i I, i've i mean i'm drawn to the sonic sound of radio as well although you know in my time it was like i remember always putting on am rather than fm because i was i was always intrigued with the conversation you know and and uh art art bells coast to coast was one that i used to listen to a lot and I used to. Mm-hmm. I used to love that they had all these different names for their phone lines. You know, like he would go, "We're gonna go to our wild card line," and he would, right. And he would take a call. And I remember <laughs> this guy goes, "Hi, Art. I'm a uh, vampire. I've been alive for three thousand years." And uh, Art Bell goes, uh, "Are your teeth filed down?" And and the caller just goes, "No." Like, like, what an insulting, dumb question Yeah, I know. Is
1: I mean, for, for the fact that the guys that have been alive for thousands of years... Go ahead. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, doesn't miss a beat. It's like... No, it yeah. doesn't, doesn't uh, stop them. Yeah, no, that, I love that stuff. And he sounded... Art Bell sounded like an old-time radio guy to me. He had that, yes. that huge uh, AM voice. I don't know what his history was before he started doing the nutball show, but... <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, but uh, he has those golden pipes. I heard,
1: you could have heard him, you know, in like 1956. Yes, the, the golden you know, our pipes. Arpel, which is Arpel, Snooky Lanson's hit parade. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and,
0: and, and yeah, just drawn to that stuff. Uh, I I think the first impression I ever learned to do was uh, Bobcat Goldthwait because I was so I was so blown away by him in the Police Academy movie when he debuted right. in that, and it was just such an odd. And me and my friends just talked like that to each other day after day after day.
1: Well, that's that's where it starts, right? I mean, you know, you, you get set off by somebody. Um, Did you people, annoy your family with voices and stuff? I annoyed everybody. My aunt, <laughs> my aunt told me, um, she said you were a weird kid. Nobody knew what to do with you. Nobody knew what to do with you because I was uh, running out noises and making voices uh, always. And um, you know, even when I was like three years old, I took a potato masher and set it up in the window and looked out the window, and I was talking about the snow falling, you know, and I had the thing set up like it was a microphone.
0: You had one hand over your ear, uh, you know? Yeah,
1: no, yeah. not quite, not quite, but but I did uh, gravitate towards microphones way, way, way back then. Now everybody's got a microphone, and there's millions of YouTube videos where people, with their, they got the microphone, you know, stuck in your face. So <laughs> never let anybody forget that they work with a microphone. <laughs>
0: They you know to, what I mean? Yeah, they have to have the brand name uh, shown in the shot. Yeah, you know, and, and,
1: yeah. It's like, what are you doing? Wait a minute, I need that mic in the in the picture. Oh, I didn't think it was that important. What do you mean it was not that important? You know, and it's like they've been fetishized to the point where thousands of people have them, and. And I'm sick of fucking looking at them <laughs> after, six, after sixty years of working with them.
0: Has has voiceover? I mean, especially with COVID, I imagine has it gotten easier? Are there is there a studio set up in your house where you don't have to necessarily leave anymore these days?
1: Well, I did have um, I did have a setup in <clears throat> excuse me in my house. Boy, man, I blew my voice out over the weekend. I was in um, where the hell was I? At one of the Comic Cons,
0: and people just—they don't want you to talk to them in your real voice. They—they just want to talk to the characters.
1: I spend the day screaming and yelling, and I will—I will do a dog and pony show for anybody (laughs) that comes up and wants to talk to me. Well, Um, I mean,
0: that's a guy who appreciates (laughs) the people that got him there, right? Like, I mean, you're—well, I'm
1: a journeyman. Yeah, I'm I'm um, like—you know—I'll keep coming to work till people tell me don't come in anymore. Um, my 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 uncles were like that. These old Irish guys, you know, they they, if they could work 18 hours a day. They would have done it, and, and they would. They would drink until two a.m. and instead of going home, they'd go to work and sleep in the doorway so they wouldn't miss work.
0: <laughs> yeah, my first place in New York, it was an Irish guy was renting it to me, and he was like, uh, you know, I think he was in the welders union or something. Like he was just, oh yeah, the All man, the welders. yeah, manliest, yep, welders. manliest of men jobs. And and That's I remember right. one morning at three a.m., I get a knock on my door and I open it up and he's there in in the white tank top. He's hammered and he goes. Uh, She's cheating on me. I know what a son of a bitch is. Are you coming with me? <laughs> and I'm like, Oh, yeah. He's my landlord. We don't have this kind of relation. We don't go out and beat people up together. And uh, I go, It's 3 a.m. I got to get up in two hours. He goes, Me too. He said that. <laughs> oh, oh
1: he's, he's still fighting the Brits in his head. <laughs> You know, a manly man with my flannel shirt, and my flannel dick, and my flannel brain.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And Madam Bottle.
0: Yeah, because she's cheating Madam on bottle. me.
1: The bottle, muse,
0: pig. the muse, <laughs> the muse. Talk to me, my powers, his spinach. No, you know? that's
1: that was that's the drug of Irish poets, right there, man. I uh, had my my go round. Yeah, uh, you, I I was a drug addict and an alcoholic, and uh, I cleaned up like thirty something years ago before I even moved to New York. What? I was in Boston in in radio. Yeah. In, and I was also, <clears throat> excuse me, I I played rock and roll music from when I was like 19, 18 uh, years old, playing in bands, and I came up with guys like Aerosmith, and you know I knew them when when they were making their first album hang out with them we used to play on the same bills um, i mean you're a pretty good
0: guitar player by the way I mean, a lot of people may oh, not thanks. know that you're you are you you played with the beach boys you play with steven tyler like you said and, and yeah i
1: played i i i did a uh what did i do i played with um los lobos one night no twice i jammed it with them i had a good time
0: i bet that's a fun band man los lobos yeah been around for a but, while uh
1: but that was my whole life before I got into radio. But uh, they took away my spandex license in 1978. <laughs> so um, I I decided to uh, go check out whatever comedy scene there was. There was a there was maybe one or two places. But before. Before that, before 1978, when you were doing comedy, it was called Interrupting Somebody's Dinner. <laughs>
0: right, everybody's cutting a steak, and you're going yeah, up there right, with jokes. Yeah, right,
1: glasses were pointing, all of a sudden it's like, okay, everybody, yeah.
0: you
1: know? <laughs> yeah. You ever notice everything? Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah uh, I was going to ask you about stand-up in general. Like, uh, just if you ever, if you did it for a while, what, what did you think I of it? I did it
1: for a little while, um... I didn't nobody told me you had to have an act. <laughs> yeah. What well, so I, I used to think just go but... up there and throw, throw shit against the wall, but you know what? Sometimes it would be absolutely brilliant and and then the next night I'd go to hell in a twisted metal fireball because you can't replicate the emotional resonance from one night to another. Not
0: to mention the energy from the audience is different every night, every show, you know, but
1: I never believed there was such a thing as a bad audience. I always believed there was a bad fit. You know, if it Hmm. didn't work out, it was a bad fit.
0: Yeah, I could kind of see that. It's like that way that.
1: nobody gets the blame. <laughs> right, everybody leaves. No, uh, I, can't, I can't say to people that they suck. They don't suck. People are great.
0: Well, you know, um, it's funny. Comics have a tendency, especially in the shows that don't have a lot of people, Adam, if you're doing a showcase show in the city or something, and it's it's 20 people or 12 people there, and they tend to have this thing where they kind of shit on the people that came out. And I'm always like... No, have them call their friends that flaked on them and let's shit on them. Like, they got babysitters. They came out. Or they... go,
1: go go! sit in the goddamn audience with them. What do you need <laughs> right. a microphone for? What do you need this spotlight for, you know?
0: I, w- I wanted to ask you the transition from being on stage and getting yes. instant feedback— from an audience laughing at something you said to then doing radio, where you just have to assume. I mean, really, what you do is your audience is is that room. It's a it's a you're playing to four or five people, but doing it on radio and not having that instant feedback, throwing something out, it's kind of scary, right? I mean, it's a, it's a bit um, of a transition.
1: Well, <clears throat> when I first started out um, in Boston, that's where I grew up. Um, I went to this place that was a Chinese restaurant called the Ding Ho and it was in this little square in Somerville, Inman Square, it was called. And the Ding Ho was the first place that started doing comedy. And um, and a lot of
0: Boston greats, uh, went through there, right? I mean, that's well, a legendary yeah, I mean, spot. They
1: were, they were all my friends. Yeah. They were all guys that I knew the day I went there to just go up on stage, um, uh, Barry Crimmins yeah, he was a mentor. He was a mentor to me. He was he gave me pointers and he told me that he he enjoyed me and and would critique me like you know, um, just stuff that anybody should know before they get up there. Steve Sweeney was a friend of Sweeney. mine. Sweeney,
0: what about Lenny? Um, was Lenny Clark around there? Lenny
1: was Lenny was a great friend of mine. Lenny used to oh. bring me on stage and and. Um, you know, I mean, these guys were that's salt a, of the earth, and they were very, very funny. They were superstars, and I used to look at them, and i go, fuck, man. I mean, you know, I, I that's their superpower. Yeah. But, but the thing was is my superpower was if I just gave up trying to perform stuff that I had written and start doing characters and yes. voices, that's when the fucking audience would sit up and bark like Lassie. They go, what's that voice coming out of this this imp? You know, this, <laughs> right, right. And, and know, it's what, tough what for the that. hell is going on. You know, because I could I could do these scary, frightening, uh, big monster type characters, and then these little, you know, cloying, annoying, high pitched, genderless voices, and and I could just talk to myself, and um, and that's where the hoopla started, really. So, but I mean, I did, it's so funny when I was on the Stern show, um, it's, it's almost like, um, Jackie, Jackie was, um, you know, tried and true, um, one of the funniest people I think I ever met in my life. He has a mind that. So quick. Internet speed. And I wish, um, I, I. You know, I used to wish that I could just think that fast. And the thing is, is that I could in character. Right. Um, that, you know, you, you you try and find what your superpower is. And that was me. I'd never run out of stuff to say if I was in character. Uh, there were all these jackals and horse flies, you know, they were always like, <laughs> you know, trying to fade me, you know, it's like, well, Billy's not funny. you got to have fucking Fred and you're going to have fucking Jackie. <laughs> you know, He's not fucking funny. You know, he's, he's not funny on his fucking home. And meanwhile, meanwhile, none of these these fucking jackbuckets knew that I had opened up for George Carlin in in Boston. And um and he liked what I was doing because I was just going off. And uh, he liked what I was doing and I and I made him laugh. He he um he told me a joke and I said, that yours? <laughs> that's great. <laughs> he died, died laughing. Is that yours? Can I, can I use it? Uh... And, and you know, when I opened up for Gilbert Gottfried, and that's where I first met him in Boston. I knew all these guys before I ever fucking went to New York, you know. And and, and so, the, those guys, but are... I loved it how people used to say that I was like basically a Phoebe. Uh, you know, listen, on the air Unless I had scripts in front of me And all that, I used to love it
0: I've I've been a, a fan And listener since uh, The early 90s when I got it On the West Coast, I, I got the Channel 9 Show before I even heard the radio show And then once the radio show came on I was hooked, and I, I've heard all the shows I've heard Howard laugh many times on that show. I've had the privilege and honor of making that man laugh. But let me tell you something. Nobody and I mean nobody got him going like you. Like when you were one of my favorite Billy West bits of all time is uh, when you were Raymond Burr (laughs) and they were they were doing the story of Raymond Burr. I think uh, leaving money in his will to his lover. And, oh uh, yes, yes. After he died, and the stuff that you were saying in Raymond Burr, which is like, who does a goddamn Raymond Burr impression, anyways? It's so- I, was, I
1: was just, I was like a utility infielder. It's like, whatever, whatever got laid out. <laughs> um, I, I thought these guys are fearless. I'm gonna be fearless, and and I didn't give a shit if I sounded like Raymond Burr or not. I just went for it. It was perfect. It was perfect. It's not, like I, it's not like I specialized in any of that stuff. I just <laughs> right. used to for the occasion.
0: Right. And it's a great point. It's not like somebody <laughs> sitting out there going, nah, that doesn't sound like Raymond Burr. You know, like, it's not, it's not, you're not doing Bill Clinton. You know what I mean? Like, uh, it's Raymond Burr. But what's up, everybody? Want to talk to you guys for a couple minutes about a very proud sponsor of The Shuly Show. I'm happy to be working with these guys and I'm thrilled that they're working with us. I'm talking about Rustic Cuts. Now look, let's not kid ourselves. doesn't matter what side of the fence you're on, who you voted for, the price of meat's going sky high and it ain't coming back anytime soon. And to be honest with you, buying that stuff at the grocery store, it's all crap. How about some pure corn-fed Midwest grade A beef, baby? Well, welcome to Rustic Cuts. These guys are in the Midwest, locally raised natural beef. Seven million acres. The meat is aged 21 days before going straight to your table. Now, I've had other meat companies, delivery services, they claim this, they claim that, you get these small portions, and and it's not all that. You sit there, you all look at each other and lie to yourself, go, this is great, this is great. You better for what you paid for it. These guys legit have the best meat I've ever had in my mouth college excluded. How about a 12 ounce New York steak? No, not your thing. How about a 14 ounce ribeye? That'll knock you on your ass. How about eight ounce fillets? How about their hamburger patties? Bratwurst. They got bratwurst. They got jalapeno cheddar patties. They got ground beef. You can make your own. It's some of the best meat you'll have right now. This is a family-operated business. The family are just great people. I've spent time with them. And here's the kicker. They are 100% fans. They support everything we do here. And we need to support them back right now. And you will benefit from this. Trust me, there hasn't been a single person who hasn't tried Rustic Cuts that hasn't emailed me and told me, game changer. All you got to do is go to rusticcutscb.com rusticcutscb like cbradio.com you put in promo code shuli s-h-u-l-i you get 10% off you get free shipping they got packages you can buy individual stuff you don't have to go with the packages that's the other places don't give you that offer they got great prices and even better quality so what do you got to lose give them a try rusticcutscb.com promo code shuli I love these guys. You'll love them too. Give them a try, and we thank Rustic Cuts for support. But it, the tone, and it's not like you're just doing a voice. Like you, uh, you become that person, and it sells the the jokes. You can say nothing, and it's hilarious because you're oh, saying sure. it as that person. Um, oh sure, yeah. Um,
1: but I but I paid super attention to details, and that's because. Um, I have ADD, and <laughs> I'm, <laughs> uh, I'm on the autism spectrum, and it's sure. like my dad used to think I was stupid when I was growing up. He used to beat the shit out of me mercilessly because I couldn't tie my shoes or tie a necktie. Yeah. But ask me to do a fucking Fran Drescher impression. <laughs> That's autism. Yeah, any idiot can tie his <laughs> <your> shoe. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Any idiot can tie a shoe. Uh, nobody yeah, can do that, you really. Know.
1: But I mean, but I couldn't understand why life was so goddamn hard, and my father was brutal with me. Well, he and- was just absolutely was a drunk and a psycho. And I used to laugh when Howard used to say my dad used to yell at me. <laughs> <laughs> I used to sit there and kind of go. <laughs>
0: Your dad would yell at you, too. He would yell, incoming, and then start pounding the shit out of you, probably, you know?
1: No, my dad, you know, took me down to the Detroit River to teach me how to swim.
0: Holy shit.
1: And uh, this was like five in the morning. He decided that this is what he was going to do, because this is how his father taught him to swim. And he was (sighs) going to throw me out of the boat. And I said, Dad, I don't have a life preserver. And he goes, what are you worried about? I told you I was going to teach you how to drown today. Oh Wow oh yeah my dad was a psycho
0: oh my god
1: what I mean it was very physical and I, I took I took beatings six ways to Sunday always and half of it. none of it was my fault really when I think about it well, of course
0: not I mean no kids born an asshole you know no kid uh, no yeah I, I, how long did this go on for
1: um for the first ten years of my life Wow and, yeah.
0: And then did he pass away or he left or? What? He
1: passed away. Um, but uh, it's so funny during the uh, lockdown. Yeah. During, during COVID, I, I didn't want to go out. You know, nobody did. Right. Because you didn't know what was going to crawl up your nose even if you went to go <laughs> get some toilet paper. <laughs> right. so, it's like
0: Wrath of People are dropping yes, shit in your ear. Really,
1: these, these, these like invisible, tiny little landmines. <laughs> That's what they looked like. Yeah. But um but I didn't want to go out. But anyway I I hunkered down and I said, Jesus, I, I, I gotta write a book because so much has happened to me. You know, I've done so much stuff in my life that um I've I've gotta jot it down and I started writing and twenty two chapters just kinda shot out of me. Of
0: course. Um I don't, um, I don't, uh, that doesn't surprise me. The The thing, the obstacle course you went through to be able to accomplish these things is unbelievable.
1: Well, um, I remember, you know, I sat there, surely, and I said to myself, nobody wants to read about how great somebody's got some dummy's life is going. Nobody not. wants to read No one wants to read about how great somebody has it and how happy they are. So I... Had to get honest and talk about everything from the beginning. Um,
0: and I bet it's super therapeutic. My dad,
1: my, my when my dad found out my mom was pregnant, mm-hmm. he beat the living shit out of her and threw her around the kitchen and kicked her in the stomach. So that was my that was my intro to the world. He, I took my first beating in fucking utero.
0: Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. So it never got any better after that.
0: I, I mean, to you know, so many people in your position would have had the drive to do nothing, right? And like, I mean, it's sink or swim at that point.
1: I was lucky to be alive. Really, I, when I thought about it, I had to hide most of the time. But you had I that was, survival.
0: The- you had that survival yeah. instinct, and where you know that's what I'm saying. Like, there's got to be a choice there for people in that situation, which is like. To survive or just or just give up and and then repeat the cycle a lot of the times, right?
1: Well, well, I would disappear. Yeah, I would just disappear. You know, it's like I had to be I had to be Not present to survive because I would just disappear if he was hitting me and stuff I would just disappear, a fucking pier and I would be numb, but I wouldn't be there. I'd be away 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 somewhere
0: in um, space um, and almost, I, the, and I
1: created my own world.
0: As I was gonna say, the almost the start of yeah. the characters and diving into characters and and escaping in that, right? Like yes, uh,
1: that's what it was. Yeah. that's what it was. And I and I was non-verbal in the very beginning because, you know, I didn't know what to say. I was always being told to shut up. So I yeah, I mean, I think about it. Every time you open beat. your mouth, you're getting
0: beat or you're you're being uh, insulted or screamed at. So why would you be verbal? You know?
1: Yeah. I know people would never believe this stuff, but but the thing is, is um, my dad was really bad. I mean, I don't know if you ever heard of the Bund. Uh, no, the Bund is a German world word for like federation or club.
0: Okay, those are never those the, never end well, right?
1: No, they never do. <laughs> and, uh, and in in Detroit in the 50s, there was something called the Bund and yeah. what it was was a meeting of the american nazi party ah and him and and his friends were these young guys that would go meet at the bund and you know and so a lot of people would never believe that that that's how i came up
0: wow did he ever you know did... I mean,
1: uh, and and when he would start in on me i would start splitting off into fractals and yeah. chaos
0: did he, and, ever, um, did he ever, did he ever lecture you like <laughs> propaganda and stuff? And, and, you know, uh, no, yeah. no, he okay. didn't.
1: He was secretive because, because, um, you know, back in those days, the whole, the neighborhood, your, the eyes of Texas were upon you. You know sure. what I mean? Sure. Everybody knew everybody else and everybody knew what was going on. So he was very secretive. But one time he lost his, his, um, pin, special pin to get into the club. Yeah. Um, which was a swastika on a pin right and um, he lost it and he panicked and he was so scared that that one of my mom's friends would find it or somebody would find it and then go oh my god because nobody knew this stuff was going on yeah We we barely knew you know we just we just thought he was going to Go hang around with these guys. That's wild.
0: I can't imagine my mom going. Hey, keep your eyes open for Dad's swastika pin. He lost it somewhere around here.
1: Yeah, really. I mean, it's like uh, it would have been one thing if my dad got his parenting skills from Maul the Three (laughs) Stooges, but Adolf Hitler. I mean, Christ's sake and and the thing was is um here we were watching army navy marines war movies and stuff and the air force kicked the shit out of the nazis and 20 minutes away there's this gang of white supremacists (laughs) piling hitler you know and they were all fucking losers of course when real life ain't working out for you try hitler
0: yeah yeah i mean when they're highly they already lost what are you what are you supporting it's over
1: well some of them some of them would come by the house and and I and I said, What I said, white supremacists are dullards. Supremacists for what? <laughs> being white? A joke what a joke. Nothing supreme about any of them. They were thoroughly flawed, idiot friends, you know, of my dad. Yeah. And just just like water don't seek their own level. And, That's uh,
0: right. That's right. Show me how know. many white supremacists have been on jeopardy, okay? Thank you. Yeah. End of story. Who
1: knows? Yeah. Who knows? Who knows these days, right? Um uh, So you blacks go back to Africa, except for Red Charles and that can call. Oh, and Chubby Checker. He can stay. He's good. How altruistic, how benevolent, how humane. Yeah, this shit was going on back then. Sure. And uh, and I never really thought much about it until I sat down and I said, what the fuck happened? You know, I phased out a lot of stuff. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, I I, believe me. And when they're gone. It's usually when all that shit comes out, you know? Uh...
1: Well, <clears throat> I, um, I said to myself, uh, I used to have a revenge fantasy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I'm sure you, know, you did. Cause, cause, well, because my mom took me and my two brothers to Boston in 1963. She just up and left with us. My aunts helped her pack just a little few things just to get out of there. We would have been dead. Yeah. Um, she went to the church and I got nothing good to say about the church. And I was an altar boy and I knew the math in Latin and I saw all kinds of holy hijinks go on, you know, backstage. But, uh, but I do have to say that my mom went to speak with a priest at the church and explain what was going on in our house. And back then you couldn't get a divorce. You couldn't get, uh, separated. The church had a huge um control over the parish like like young couples would be turned away at the movie theater on a saturday night because there'd be some jack-off monsignor standing there saying you catholic you catholic and um and there were movies you were not allowed to see i mean they,
0: they just controlled your entire life is what they did yeah
1: they basically did so my mom went to the rectory um and told this one priest and god bless him he was he was you know he was there for the right reason instead of all the wrong reasons he was trying to help somebody else and um and he could have been bounced for helping her get out of detroit but he gave her the money to fly me and my brothers to boston um you know i i never forget that although i got you know, so many qualms. Right. You church, just hit
0: you stumbled onto the one good one.
1: We stumbled onto <laughs> the one good one. Who said, If I were you, I'd skedaddle because my mom showed up over there with a black eye and this guy said to himself, Let me do something good. Let me do the Lord's work instead of going up there and Zhao eyes.
0: You know. and this is why, you know, I had a friend lecturing me because everybody is a lecturer now. Everybody has mm-hmm.
1: information
0: and, and wants to sit you down and tell you the way things are. And he, right. he claimed that we are dumber now as a society than we've ever been before uh, with fake news and social media. And, and I disagree. My theory is... I do. I think we are just as dumb as we've always been. I don't think we've gotten any dumber. I don't think we can. Uh, Look, you're talking about a day and age where a a, a woman, a mother, and a wife would go out in public with a black eye and and marks all over, and and the majority of people would say, what, are you going to leave them? What, are you stupid? You know? What, are you crazy? Mm -hmm. Like, that was the norm. That's pretty fucking stupid when we look at it now, and... You know, uh, like I always say, my parents I think are brilliant people, but right. but at one point they thought Liberace was straight. So you know, we've always been dumb, is what my point is, and yeah, that's that's what I think. I I don't think it's changed anything. All that's changed is given more dumb people a voice. Th- that's really what's changed is we we now have to hear or see these people that you we could
1: would've... be you could be right but i think i've seen more infantilized adults in today's day and age than i ever have in my life and I have a really good memory, and I studied people. I was like an alien. <laughs> I I studied human beings. I studied. Them. I could tell you what was going to happen 13 seconds before they did it. <laughs>
0: you you were like the guy they thought out of a block of ice who'd been under. Yes, her... I was
1: an empath, though. I was I was I was an autistic, and I was an empath, and I could smell. How somebody was thinking
0: oh i totally believe in empaths by the way I a hundred percent so that is not wild to me at all i feel like my my uh, oldest daughter has that gift uh yes. my wife has it is like, she on the spectrum she might be she might be as she's she's you know definitely... i
1: have a theory i have a theory about autism yeah. it's like we're, we're in trouble as a society you sort of touched on it some people believe that we're stupider than we've ever been. But all I know is violence is a tool of the ignorant. 100%. And when you have a society that's that's their go-to is violence. Yeah. From an old lady at the supermarket to a little kid running around his yard with a gun. And, you know, I mean, there's something wrong. And nature does not look the other way when society is at this point. It never has. So what happens is there has to be an intervention. Nature has to make a correction. Otherwise, there's no survival. Yeah. We are not we're gonna cancel each other out. We are not gonna survive. Yeah. And so so my theory is that I noticed that there was this huge, huge explosion of the rates of autistic births mm-hmm. going on. And I looked into it and then some jackass was saying well it's because there's more co2 in the air (laughs) and uh you know and i said what kind of a stupid thing is that to say
0: chemtrails chemtrails yeah
1: how dare you you know i mean it's it's genetics it's nature making an intervention making a correction autistic people are sensitive they've got gifts they're empaths they're loving they're not troublesome there's hardly any negatives you can associate um with that and i think even if it takes a hundred or two hundred years they become integrated into our society and they will raise us up that's my theory
0: I, you know and you you hit on something because they're they the the only downside to uh, to having a kid on the spectrum in my opinion is how you handle the things right is how you yep. approach the kid because none of us are experienced in it for the most part. Um, right. And so when you're facing this kid who, you know, at their age you were able to do said task without a problem, right? It it took one time to learn. And, and for whatever reason, this kid's getting flustered and can't, uh, accomplish this task that maybe they should or whatever. It's all about the reaction to that is what I've found. Um, and I think that's where a lot of people go wrong with it, where they kind of turn to their fathers or their parents, and they go, "Why can't you just do this?" You know, and you start snapping at this kid. That's which, not going to help.
1: Which ignores things like enlightenment,
0: right? And it gets them to shut down as well, right? They, yeah. They... Well,
1: I, I was uh, forced down. I just luckily I, I. I was you know, I was broken as a kid. I was broken to bits and uh I mean there's so much else that went on in, in growing up in Detroit. Um I I was like I was sexually molested by both sexes before I was ten years old. You know, so it's like uh I don't know. I didn't know whether to shit or go blind. Right. I'll tell you the the truth. Yeah. uh, And it took forever and ever, including drug addiction and uh, alcoholism, to cut through scar tissue, to to cut through to the point where I could actually assemble a blueprint uh, because I had no blueprint of how to be a human being. Yeah. I really didn't. I mean, you know. My mom, thank God, that I had a mom that was uh, loving, and uh, she couldn't see that she had made a terrible mistake because you didn't in those days. No one got into it with failure on their mind as far as getting married.
0: Well, also, not too many people got out of it, right? So she, she yeah, right, yeah. So but, she's got the double. She whammy. Was,
1: um, she was loving, and she was smart, and she sang, and she taught me how to sing songs and how to read and you know yeah i did go to school but i hated school i loathed school because i couldn't get my mind around anything it was nothing but embarrassing and i would get physically ill but but luckily in detroit (laughs) um that same stupid uh channel from canada used to show the three stooges and and i would go they showed them before i went to school in the morning. And I would go to school with a head full of that shit, and I hated that. <laughs> ac- I hated academia, and I hated it, hated it. But, but here I was learning comedic timing. I was learning how to sound like these characters. I was I was learning comedy. Uh, you know, in like the first grade or kindergarten almost. Um, and so I I really didn't have a whole. Lot else on my mind back then.
0: Well, I mean, it was the safest thing for you in your in your world was comedy and 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 characters and voices. There was never any violence or trouble that that arose from that. So I'm sure. It no, was... But it
1: was like it was, but it was fake. You know, I mean, it was sure. Just, when you heard the sounds attached to the the hitting on the Stooges, it was so comical because. You can't hear those things in real life. Right, right. well not like just... the first time you ever punched another guy in the face, you were like let down because it didn't sound like you punched a wet ham?
0: <laughs> well, there's that legendary story that they bombed in Vegas because they didn't have sound effects during their show. Right, right.
1: Well, um, you know, I mean, I they, they became like a huge part of my life and i and i watched them until i mean i knew every ream of dialogue and every piece of business and i began watching the corners of the picture eventually <laughs> just to see if i could see something that i missed
0: i mean listen once you've nailed down uh, a larry fine impression we get it you've watched a lot of stooges <laughs> <laughs> but again one yeah. of the greatest voices you know the the the, you, like your voices was like a roulette wheel You never knew what the hell it was going to land on But when you landed on it You could do it great And, and the lines were hilarious And it just always killed You know, Leona Hem- Helmsley <laughs> uh, Marge Shaw Everybody, everybody you did Well, yeah.
1: I was um, I was facilitated to varying degrees I mean, here we were This was a concerted effort when I was on that that Stern show, um, it was it was Jackie and it was Fred and it was Howard and everybody was doing something to make something work. You know, it wasn't like it wasn't like. Um, oh God, you like guys were like uh,
0: you guys were like Voltron. Each of you were another part, and then together yes. you formed one giant kick-ass robot.
1: Yes, it, it's what it felt like. Um, I, um, I remember Howard would get an idea for something and, um, you know, we, we just, we do it, we do it on the spot. If he get an idea for something and everybody, when any one of us had a good idea, we kind of supported each other and just did it on the spot. There wasn't any time for pre-planning. We did do the occasional produce bits or radio movies, but the you know, and there was a comic right hook in every one of them, but but, uh, <laughs> but,
0: but that but you know, what 30, you guys were doing a, what's that? What you guys were doing is till this day my favorite type of comedy, which was organic, off the cuff, working without a net. Uh, that type of comedy to me is my favorite kind. The Carson show when the animal segments went bad. right? You know, Carol Burnett when they'd break, you know, uh, all these shows. That, to me, was like the height of comedy when even the people doing it were enjoying it. Uh, That I loved, and you guys were
1: amazing at that. Well, I, when I, um,
0: you know, I I never...
1: I never, um, had anything bad to say about the show or about Howard or the, you know, my problems that I had with management were one thing, but, um, It's literally my story.
0: (laughs) Your story. It's literally my exit was I had nothing, no issues with staff, with Howard, uh, just management. That was my, that was my thing.
1: No, when I, um, to me it was about not letting the guy down because he gave me an entree right he's like i came to new york and i needed a job and the guy gave me a job right so end of story you know i'd never had anything bad to say um i did have problems with with other people but uh <laughs> you know i mean you can, nothing's perfect you know yeah. even though it was great but the show's content the combination of conversation and uh fluid organic nattering fetching genius he was a brilliant monologist very unforced very fluid and organic um you know which i never saw anybody that, that that was fearless like that
0: it really i've said it's like in your guys day it was like four dudes climbing to the top of a ski jump who and have never skied before and you're just like i'm going next like all of you guys were were fearless as hell man it seemed like it to me as a listener uh hearing you guys riff and just take it to next levels
1: yeah and he was he was up against a lot of shit you know he had balls made out of kevlar i used to say yeah because because he was a one-man army dragging the entire fucking broadcast industry kicking and screaming into the future and he would draw the ire of the FCC, the Federal Communications Commission, that could never quite define what indecent was. Right. But it's my own opinion, but it appeared as if the random fines exacted by the FCC were the agency's way of playing patty cake or footsie and <laughs> yeah. generating generating income while radio stations lived in fear of losing their broadcast license. Yeah, yeah. You know, I- and his his skyrocketing ratings rewrote the entire playbook and, unfortunately though when somebody kicks the door in there's imitators and suddenly mm. suddenly <laughs> there were sports howards and yep weather howards and female howards right wing howards program directors that saw howard's success suddenly gave permission to their people to copy the formula yeah and and between you and me there was no formula
0: no it, it was, was just the perfect storm it, it
1: was yeah corporate programmers Always think everything is a formula that can be controlled or regulated or co-opted, and you know when lightning strikes, you can't co-opt it. And and I remember when station managers were like, "We got to find a shock jock. We got to find a shock jock." <laughs> you know, and they're such fucking ninnies. Like
0: there's a factory that that that's just spitting them out, right? Like you yeah, just, right. Yeah. Go
1: go get that guy. That guy. What's his name? You yeah. <laughs> know. Um, I was reluctant to join the show at first because I thought it was perfect the way it was and that my addition might dilute the dynamic but I was wrong I I was dying to be a contributor Was there I wanted to be a, a pure radio performer sort of like my old heroes like Mel Blanc sure. Rojo Marx and Jackson Beck and- you know. Was there a,
0: a bit or a voice or a char- or like a, a moment that you remember that you were you were officially comfortable doing it when you started out with the show? What do you mean? Like when you started with the Stern Show, you I'm sure you were like you said you didn't even want to join because you thought the show was perfect the way it was. What, I did. Was there a moment, uh, a bit, or or something <laughs> that you did where you were like? Okay, I can breathe now. Like I I made them laugh. Like I'm in. Like uh, it I can do um, this.
1: I never <clears throat> I guess I never looked at it like that. I um I just would I'd respond mm-hmm. to whatever the the emotional resonance was in the air in the moment. Right. I don't know if that makes any sense, but um
0: no, it does. You know, it, it's not easy to do. I mean, especially. It's, it's
1: almost like it's like knowing that that Saint Elmo's fire was traveling through the fucking furniture in there, <laughs> right? And and knowing when it was happening is to jump on it and let and, and let it fuck fuck with you and you fuck with it. I guess I don't know. I don't but know you
0: you were also there in, in this window of time that you were there was was the the days of shitting on somebody when they swung and missed, right? Like the 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 you know uh, putting a spotlight on somebody failing was a big thing back then too. So that <laughs> that had to fuck with you a little bit as far as taking some swings, no?
1: Um I don't know. I I just um I never took any of that stuff seriously because because it wouldn't matter. Right. It's like, it's like.
0: It, you're contributing either way. If, if the line I was kills contributing, but or it was, bombs. But
1: I, I thought it was um, generous of Howard for me. Uh, I mean, to have loaned me like Jackie and Fred, you know, it's like giving me two atomic weapons. To play <laughs> with. And, and I would work this fucking, this Jackie puppet that was made in the image of Jackie who sat right in front of me during the broadcast. Oh yeah the puppet was like two feet tall yep. and it was so twilight zone and i was busting <laughs> jackie's balls with his own demonic images while he was writing insane zingers for the venomous puppet to hit himself over the head with what
0: a weird human centipede uh cycle no, that and, is. and i was
1: working the jackie puppet and and jackie in reality was working the Billy puppets. So that's a, hero. <laughs> right, right. that's a hero in my book. Fucking a Jackie. He had my love and respect. Oh, it
0: I does. love Jackie. I love, he's um, come on the show. I, I love him to death. Uh, uh, I mean, I still remember his jokes from when I was a kid buying the CDs and, you know, sure. he's, he's, he's the best dude. He, I love Jackie.
1: Well, he was, he's the real deal. And, 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 to take somebody that is so standardized in their comedic approach approach, rather, and then putting them in a place where you can throw all that old stuff out the window and just start inventing. There was nobody better. Um, I and remember, when- like when we were fooling around with the puppet, you know the uh, the puppet would start out all innocent with stupid jokes and then, <laughs> work his way into dark, evil, you know, very funny excursions within seconds. And the thing had actually pissed off Conan O'Brien during one of its rampages. Oh,
0: yeah. I mean, that's and legendary.
1: Conan's show was in jeopardy of being canceled, so he came by and the puppet called him, Conan oh, bye." bye. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Conan was a good sport, and he was nice enough to have me on his show a couple of times. But, um... But the thing was, the puppet was perfect because um, you can't get a shot in. You can't get a punch in at an inanimate object that's just laughing hysterically at you.
0: Right. Not to mention you're not the I'm bad sorry. guy either. It, the puppet's the it, it, bad
1: guy. Yeah, I mean, but it was almost like the invulnerable monster, you know, from another planet. No matter how many times you hit him, he just absorbs you. <laughs>
0: Uh, the, the, the Conan segment, I mean, do you have a favorite moment of your time there? Like a favorite segment, uh, or, Um, or bit?
1: I remember certain things. Yeah. Um, they weren't like second nature to me after the fact. I mean, um, I, I, I heard the show in real time, you know, like right there in, in the moment. I, I didn't really, listen to tapes of the shows or the bits you know i hardly ever
0: did Um, there's hours of compilations of you yeah (laughs) Uh, and it's it's there's people i know there's there's people i know that go to sleep to it like they put it on and they fall asleep to it oh
1: jesus (laughs) i don't know what that will incur but you've come a long way my friend yeah i guess and um but I mean, you know, you are talking about stuff that happened like thirty years ago. Sure. Yeah, I mean this is like this is like if uh in the fifties they were talking to an actor from the thirties.
0: No, I not listen, you were busy doing it. I'm busy listening to it. So I have you know, <laughs> if somebody comes to me and says top five Billy West bits, I'm ready. I, I throw down, you know, uh it, it, it's it, for me it was like a clinic, man. it was it was like college. I never went to college. This was comedy college for me was, I never
1: did either. I I'm um, I, I couldn't I didn't I wasn't smart enough or something. I you know, like I said I, I had trouble learning. But you're and also uh, you're an
0: energy guy like right like I, I'm like you get caught up in the wrong energy. It's like a coat. People can just put it on you without you even knowing. And then you go home with it. You take it to work with you. And it's and and so I just found the more people I was around, the shittier the energy was for me. You know what I mean? You got
1: to be you got to be discerning.
0: Yes. Yes. You
1: know, you can't be you can't you can you can be charitable to the point of your own extinction.
0: Yeah. You can't help everybody. Because it's there's a cost to you at uh, at the and end, And you
1: owe it to yourself, you owe it to yourself to find like energy, yeah. Um, I felt like that, um, on the show, I felt that there was a lot of like energy, but um, you know, I just wanted to make a living, and yeah, as, as soon as the, it got to be a sticking point, like, oh, uh, well, you know, talk to Spranny, talk to Zoe, talk to Tom, talk to Mel, that, 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 that. And I just, I just said, screw it. Mm-hmm. Um, if I stay in the part of the pee, part of the pool where people pee, you know, shame on me. Yep. I, wa- I wasn't a victim. No. You know, and I left. I just, I had no anger or nothing. I just went off into the wild blue nothing. And, yeah. and I've always found that that's basically what I've done my whole life is, um, you know, a chapter happens and it ends and you move on. But, but. I'm sure there were a lot of people that were disappointed or angry, like they were angry at me. It's like, yeah, he'll come crawling back. <laughs>
0: well, what's you funny know. is those... so much
1: for your predictions. <laughs> he better get his ass back to the stand Show. <laughs> yeah, tough talk. I better get back there. <laughs> All his voices sound fucking exactly the same. He'll be selling bags of oranges on a corner. Thank God these guys don't write friggin' comedy, eh? He's nothing on his own. Ooh, jealous. The show made him funny. I know, I never brought nothing to the table. Do his fucking job. Oh, yeah? Big hero, what's stopping you, you empty jack bucket? You booger eating bedwetter, you blood fart. Ah! You don't get a job with Howard just because you raised your hand You complete piece of piss You go have a gun for lunch <laughs> <laughs> um, The opinions expressed above were not mine They were the puppets
0: Yes, yes uh, By the way, those people that were mad that you left They were mad at you for being there too So it's just, you know, you're not going to win You, you, you know. know
1: what, you know what they all are They're the two guys in the balcony on the Muppet show Yeah, yeah no, you're 100 percent right. It's it, that's listen what those guys are. That's like, I hate this shit. This shit sucks. Meanwhile, they're there every night in the roost.
0: They're they're the biggest fans that you have. Is is the people who hate you because they listen to everything you do, they watch everything you're on, and and yeah. you know, so
1: they just don't realize they're super fans. Um, yeah, but but I um, but I used to read stuff, and I used to feel like, man, you know, how fucking good do you have to be to impress these? <laughs> but 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 the thing was is that was just one segment of the world. I mean, when I go to do these shows now, thirty years later, these comic cons, uh, there's eighty year old geezers like me walking by, going, "Just listen to you on Stern. Oh, geez, you guys were bad. Oh man, how'd you get away with that shit?" And then there'll be a four year old girl that knows me. Right. Yeah right you know and and her parents and then their parents because they've been around for so long so it's like all these millions of people know me from one thing or another
0: well you know my theory on on people who make people laugh is um as long as that so i feel like the universe rewards you for doing the good things right and and making people laugh forget about their troubles whether it's in the crowd, whether it's on in the work truck, listening on radio, watching something on TV, right. that, that, that type of currency comes back to you in yes. many ways. If, if you're good, if you do the right things, right? You can't be a yes. piece of shit and do that at the same time. If well, you- but you know
1: what? You owe it to the universe to never play it small. No, no, you don't. You but it's also play it big, because for one thing, you'll never inspire anyone else. Yeah, you do no service to the universe by playing it small. That's why I came stomping through every opening. Um, you know, I was not, I was not a wallflower. I was not re- shy or retiring. I, I idolized fearless people, you know, like Gilbert. Yeah, but um, but so but you are in him. that group I, thought I miss him
0: you' you're in that group you are fearless as well I mean think about it man the the type of you what you went through and and you're one of these guys that can say without a shadow of a doubt that dreams come true you know like the stuff yes. that you dreamed of doing as a kid while you're getting beaten and, and everything else you you pulled it off because you did the right things you were a good you're a good egg the end of the day
1: um i i miss gilbert and i don't have too many people that are in my age group that that i uh that were heroes to me but i can say that he was one of them and maybe sam kennison because they're fearless natures but but gilbert i mean nobody could rebrand tragedy Mm. like him you know Yes,
0: yes, I've worked with it, him a few just, times as well, and it
1: totally rebrand tragedy. And he used to have me on his podcast all the time.
0: I used to listen to him. It was the only time I'd hear Billy uh, doing an interview, and I'm like, I'm tuning it. I love the Gilbert's Colossal Podcast. Love it.
1: Yeah, and and he just, um, you know, and I got him. I always got him, and he and he somehow he got me. Um, well, you guys were both nerds.
0: Time. You know, you both were horror movie nerds and just classic TV and movie stuff. You guys sure. were great together.
1: Well, you know, and I would uh, and I would say, geez, I, I finally have a chance to come on, and somebody's letting me do my thing, and you know, all the people that that were bad mouthing me, yeah, you know, from the Stern Show. They're always out there like they've listened to a show from 30 years ago, and he sucks, you know. And it's like, I want to go back to back in time and find out what you were doing 30 years ago. <laughs> uh, Sitting yeah. in your own shit. Yeah, yeah. You, think you know, but, but no, but I mean, I was on Gilberts, and, and I never heard, you know, crickets. Never heard a thing, you know. No one say anything out there.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. no, Gilbert why. was. And
1: you know they listen. You know they listen to everything. G-
0: Gilbert was a made guy. Like he, that's just it. Nobody disrespected yep. Gilbert. I remember doing, opening for him at Caroline's, <clears throat> and he was, uh, he he was, I think they were, yeah, they just had their first kid. Him and his wife were mm-hmm. there, and, um, and we're backstage in the green room. It's me, uh, Gilbert, his wife, and a woman comes in, a friend of his wife, and she brought them a gift. And uh, Gilbert pulls the gift out of the bag, and it's a blanket that the woman uh, knitted herself and, and gilbert in front of us he's not on stage nobody around but us he holds it up she goes look gilbert and he goes oh an aids quilt and says that
1: <laughs> oh my god
0: the woman's mortified the wife is just kind of like dar she's just like yeah i'm used to that and uh well, legend i
1: i think you know it's it's when it comes down to it it's harmless yeah it doesn't violate or hurt anybody none of it it's it, they're just words and their concepts and and when someone is playing with space and time you know like a like a genius um, i i look up to those people i i i um worship at the altar of people that can fuck with time and space and um you know and and then when i went on um oh and don't get me wrong you know i mean there was there was so many people that that i heard from from the stern show days you know that they weren't like bad-mouthing me they were saying good things here kitty here kitty kitty. i know this cat's here kitty wait here kitty kitty i'm doing an interview you
0: want to keep it down over there here kitty no, there are. Listen, they... that
1: makes me want to grab my cat. I want to. I'm gonna grab my cat.
0: Okay.
1: kitty, come here, kitty. Oh, show me the cat. Show me. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, I, got a, I got a cat. I wish I was half the man that stupid cat thought I was.
0: <laughs> really? You've you disappointed. You've let the cat down.
1: Oh, I can't. I can't do that. I just cannot. <laughs> uh,
0: what, what uh, first of all, uh, Billy is your website. Number one.
1: Yeah. You know, um, I'm on Twitter. That's basically where to find anything.
0: Twitter.com slash the West. I follow him. You should follow him. Uh, and he's at a lot of these conventions, which is fantastic. Um,
1: yeah. Uh, plus I'm still, um, I'm still doing shows and, um, you know, I'm working with Matt Groening on a couple of things. With I, I went, I'm working on Futurama again. And, oh, love it. Uh, and um, and there's another one, Disenchantment, which is really cool because I love the drama on it. It's not a show. It's not like Futurama at all or The Simpsons. You know, Matt Groening, I'm in total awe of. He's he's one of those guys that's in my age bracket that that I go, oh my god, where does it come from? But but that's that's the beauty of it because when you talk to somebody else, they'll say he says the same thing about you. <laughs> Were
0: you friendly with Sam Simon at all when he was
1: when he was around? Um, I had dinner with him and a bunch of other people one night. It yeah. was a really interesting dinner, but I didn't know him. Know him? I mean, I, I would know him. You know, like yeah, I knew who he was, and he we met, but. Um, we, we have a dinner one night at Musso and Frank's in Hollywood Boulevard. And uh, it's that old 30s steakhouse. It's where people, you know, the stars would sit and, and starlets would come and get discovered. You know, right. it, was all, it was all grand, you know, <laughs> and uh, it was all so grand. And, and meanwhile, at this table, there's Sam Simon, some writers, my buddy Eddie Gordetsky, uh uh-huh. I came I came up in with radio I mean I've known Eddie for 44 years and um we were on radio together in Boston and and he uh created the show Mom with Chuck Lorre. he you know he was an executive producer on on almost everything um you know like um what's the what's the show the um the Big Bang sure. stuff like that Yeah Yeah, I mean his name was all over everything. And I remember us years and years ago, we were high as rats on coke and we were laying in the back of the radio station and I said, hey Eddie, what must it be like to be the guy? I mean to be the fucking guy. The one they point to when they want to hold up an example of of the ultimate of some profession or something. What must it be like? And he says, we'll never know. (laughs) And then 43 years later, I call him up. I go, Eddie, one of us knows. (laughs) Uh... I mean, he was, he was basically like Sheldon Leonard. Yeah. You know, that's who he grew up to be. And it's like, no, he's my friend, Eddie, that I used to screw around with.
0: It's never gonna but, change either. No matter how big it gets, he's always gonna be no. your, your pal. That's it. Um, yeah. Are you still doing your podcast, or are you done doing that?
1: No, no. I it was, it was too expensive. Yeah. Because I didn't. I just didn't get on a microphone and start honking. Right. Um. It was pre-recorded. The bits were written, and they had to be produced, and and uh, it gets expensive, and nobody would, <laughs> nobody would. Um, front me any money to do that stuff and it stopped being fun because I had to sweat how it was going to get done. And right.
0: Yeah. yeah, becomes like a bookie all of a sudden. You just you don't want to come near it. You don't want him to catch you. All of a sudden, you're just hiding from your podcast. Hiding um,
1: from my podcast and all those characters.
0: The, the, right. Those don't leave. Those
1: will be with no, you forever. I, I barely, there was no time to do my own show. It was like <laughs> um, I I would start talking, and then all this this parade of characters and personalities and whatnot would come marching through, and and I was hardly there. <laughs> yeah, right. It's just autopilot. Uh, yeah, it was all these yeah screwy characters and everything. But um, yeah, you know, I mean, I've I've kept busy. I've been working. For a really long time without a break. I mean, you know, I never had any downtime, really. I was always doing commercials or or cartoons and you know, and I'm very grateful. I hope I hope in, in any way, I hope or in no way, I hope I didn't sound like haughty or you know, uh, ah, you know, finally, it's my time. You know, I I'm not like that. I was never I never ever felt that I was like better than anybody. It's just I um I wanted to do my thing so badly um that it was you know, I, I it was tough to get deterred.
0: Well, you did your thing. You did it your way. Wait, I'm
1: gonna squeeze I'm gonna squeeze my cat's tail
0: wait.
1: Yeah. <laughs> huh? You like that? You like that?
0: Finally uh, got finally got mine What's to show the matter? It?
1: What's the matter? You scared? <laughs> <laughs> What's the matter? Uh,
0: uh, listen, I can't thank you enough for doing this. I know it was a big pain in the ass bothering you. No, this
1: it's point. not. It's not. It's not. But uh, I, I'm glad to talk to you. I, I hadn't planned on doing a travelogue of the Stern show, but I know that, that that's where you came from. I mean, uh, I, I hadn't heard the show since the day I left. <laughs>
0: I, I can say you the know, same. I, and I um, didn't
1: I didn't know who the players were or yes. what the what the, the comedic rhythms of the show had become. I had no idea. You know, because it just it wasn't my part of town anymore.
0: Understood. Understood. I, yeah. I haven't, But I mean yeah. but
1: I did uh, you know, you probably have a lot of people that listen to you on that show and you probably have them listening to you now and stuff and and it's just me saying hello everybody hi it's me again
0: well i love you i hope you come back man and uh sure you're 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 a, a great guy uh i mean
1: thank you so uh, you billy
0: west ladies and gentlemen BillyWest.com. give it a give it a go go see him in person he'll talk to you he'll do voices uh you know he loves you and you should love him too
1: uh, th- i do i really really do i'm very very lucky and fortunate um i just did want to say that um on Twitter, it's um, the Billy West at the Billy West. That you know, that's the best place to go for for all things uh, insufferable. And yeah, that's hearty. how
0: that's how I wore him down on Twitter. So you can do the same, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> uh, Billy, I that's thank great. you from the bottom of my I'm heart, my did. friend. I'm
1: glad you did. I'm glad you did.
0: Well, I, I hope you come back again, my man. And uh, thank you so much for everything.
1: And uh, calling up my my ancient radio past. let's conclude. This conclude. This conclude. That is all. <laughs>
0: Ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only Billy West on main stage. That's right. Get your tips out, whip them out, fold them up, stick them in. That's right.
1: Meets on the corner in the half an hour. <laughs>
0: All the best to your family All the best to you sir Thank and you And we'll talk soon Okay Okay man I appreciate it Alright Ladies and gentlemen The great Billy West Bye Billy Thank you Sean so You got Bye 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 Pushing wheelchairs Thinking of funny things Having those big old dreams Of New York City Where his radio skills would grow Weighing shit on a show But then he had to go To we